Welcome to the Learning Can't Wait podcast, a Full Mind production. At Full Mind, our vision is to ensure every child has access to an exceptional education. Each episode, we will be joined by pathfinders within and around the education space who are bringing about transformational change on behalf of deserving students. I am your host, Haley Spierbauer. Welcome back, everybody, to the Learning Can't Wait podcast. I am so eager for you to meet my two guests here today. Doing the work of helping teachers get into school buildings and a teacher themselves, the very, very heart of the education space, we have Natalie Arias, a student services facilitator from Stevenson Middle School in San Antonio, Texas. Natalie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Haley. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so honored that amidst your busy day, you've joined us here today. Thank you for being here as well. Absolutely. And we also have Kevin Melanson, the education, the executive director of Teach Plus Texas. Kevin, welcome. Thank you, Haley. Pleasure to be here to talk with you and with Natalie today. Thank you. I love that I have this pairing here today. I'm, I was introduced to Kevin and Kevin said, you know, Haley, I'm not going to do this podcast alone. I think I have someone great for to join me here. And so I'm excited to dig in, find out how you two are connected, and really spotlight the work of Teach Plus along our conversation. But before I get ahead of myself, I want to start out by having you both answer my first question, which is, how did you come to be the personal and professional version of yourself? Natalie, will you start us off, please? Absolutely. So I in my formative years, grew up around a lot of educators. I come from a family full of them, cousins, aunts. My mother is a retired public school teacher and um, no shade to any of them, but I really thought for a long time I was going to do something different. <laughs> and uh, I was in a, on the quest to find what that was going to be. And in the course of that search, uh, I found that in every industry that I worked in, every role that I held, I, I always ended up in some position of teaching or educating, whether it was mentoring or training or, you know, client, customer, patient education. Uh, so at some point I sort of surrendered to the universe and said, okay, I guess I'm supposed to be a teacher. And uh, fast forward 10 years, um, here I am with a lot of experience under my belt uh, in different campuses and different um, roles. And the role that I hold currently, I actually attribute a lot of uh, what took me there to my experience with Teach Plus as a policy fellow and this year as a senior policy fellow. That um, opportunity and experience has just been so expansive for me personally and professionally in terms of understanding education on a, a more macro scope, um, you know, understanding it in terms of how it works as a system and all the cogs that, you know, uh, function together. And um, I'm passionate about the advocacy work that we do with and through Teach Plus. Um, so that's what brings me here today and, and how I know Kevin and I'm so honored to be um, part of his company in that regard. I love the stories of teachers who fought the tide but still became teachers because you know, there's so many little kids that aspire to be teachers when they grow up. They have a fantastic experience in, in school and they love their teachers or one of their teachers makes a profound impact. 
but there's as many important stories of people whose paths meandered too, um, and folks who never considered themselves fit for the role of being a, a classroom teacher and still found their way. So excited to dig into that, Natalie. Thank you for sharing. Of course. Kevin, same question for you. How did you come to be the personal and professional version of yourself? Wow. I mean, I, it, I think it was literally um, the opportunity to be able to help people and meet people like Natalie that brought me into this field. So, I mean, literally. So I'm the oldest of four children from Houston. My great grandparents were sharecroppers in Louisiana. And early on, the message of you have to get an education to be successful in life was the thing that my family just pushed. And as time went on, um, I realized, wow, not only is this education going to be a path to hopefully a sustainable life for me, but I'm also going to be able to learn about this world, learn how to come up with my own opinion and my own perspectives. And then, like I said earlier, to be able to meander, like you you mentioned, to be able to meet folks like Natalie and the fantastic teachers that I'm able to support in the work that I do at Teach Plus. I mean, it is, you know, you said it, I wasn't going to be on this podcast without a teacher. And Natalie just really articulated, you know, that why. Teachers, educators are closest to the children in our schools and they need to lead on policy and practice issues um, that advance equity and opportunity for those children. So that kind of ethos literally brings me here to be with you today. And I appreciate the opportunity. I love that story as well. I appreciate when people are, are willing to be vulnerable and share just how their journey to education happened. The world needs great teachers and more of them. Um, so Kevin, can you paint a picture for us a little bit for folks that are unfamiliar with Teach Plus? What is the work that you're currently doing and how did you and Natalie come to be collaborators in this space? And, you know, Natalie mentioned a little bit of her policy work. So yeah. what does that mean for Teach Plus and, and how is that impacting communities today? Yeah, Teach Plus is a national teacher leadership nonprofit. We work in 12 states and we we target those states where we can get the lion's share of, of really teachers that teach students that need advocacy um, and people fighting for them. And so you know, I got lucky. Literally, I was voted, uh, I was elected, selected as a fellow for Teach Plus in 2018. And about a month later, um, the executive director then told me, Kevin, we're hiring. We need somebody to run this program. And frankly, at that time, I was better suited to run the program um, than to be a, a fellow in the program. And since then, I've became the exec, become the executive director of Teach Plus Texas. And what we do is go out and find effective and engaged educators like Natalie. We select those folks that we think are going to be good. We put them in a cohort environment. We focus on a handful of specific education policy topics. Our job then is to train those teachers up on policy and advocacy, put them proximate to decision makers and leaders, and let them lead. Um, and you know, as a result of that, in Texas in 2019, um, our teachers were the voice of reason when um, the legislature passed the largest um, education finance bill since the 80s uh, and injected about $6 billion into public education. Um, Natalie herself, um, testified on a really critical issue in the state of Texas. And if you pay, if anybody paying attention to the state of Texas, we're now on our third special session, and yet we haven't adequately funded uh, public education or teacher raises this year. And so um, 
when it's time for folks to give that type of feedback, what I prefer is for me to step back and my team to step back and for us to facilitate Natalie and the rest of the fellows that work in our policy fellowship who are trained up on how to communicate. They have really solutions oriented perspectives and they always bring recommendations. That's the sweet sauce of Teach Plus. I love that. Natalie, you have to tell us what that experience was like last year, because that's that's pretty like life changing work. Can you paint a picture for us of what that work was like for you? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you nailed it with that descriptor. It is life changing and it is um, completely inspiring in a time where public education and to be a public educator is, um, you know, we shoulder a lot. And uh, so to be involved in something where I feel as an educator, I have been lifted up in such a way um, that I'm able to actually impact and affect positive change, not just on my campus, but also um, statewide, you know, and, and again, especially at a time where there are some pretty hot ticket items that are uh, you know, up for discussion right now surrounding education. And so to to have a voice in that is really huge. I, I mentioned earlier that my experience as a fellow uh, led me to the point where I have been in pursuit and accepted this specialized role on my campus. That role is affording me a seat at the table in conversations happening locally. Um, I'm also now in a position to help empower my uh, teachers on that campus and even my admin by uh, educating and informing them on these policy issues and, um, you know, doing my best to amplify their voice as well through this advocacy work. So it's like taking, you know, your reach and really expanding that. That has been the most um, powerful part, I think, of this experience, not to mention Coming together with such like-minded individuals that are also passionate about this work is such food for the soul. Um, and every experience that I have with my um, fellow fellows, if you will, <laughs> and uh, the leadership that we have through Teach Plus is just, I am continually and forever um, leaving with my cup feeling full. And that, um, you know, I carry that with me into my day-to-day -day work as well. So um, it's just been, an, like I said before, an incredibly expansive opportunity. And it's really important work that we're doing. And uh, to see the fruits of that labor has been incredibly rewarding along the way. I love to hear that filling of your cup. You, you've named too at the top of what your response was. This is incredibly hard work. Being a teacher today is very different than it was even when I was in the classroom some eight years ago. And it's the landscape has changed. The politics have changed. The demands have changed. The social emotional needs of our students have changed. The academic needs of our students have changed. We'd be remiss if we didn't name the pandemic as part of that, as a large part of that force. You know, Kevin, I am, I meant to ask you this earlier and it's, it's reflecting because I'm hearing Natalie share and it's so clear to me why Natalie was chosen for this work. I'm just curious from your, from Teach Plus's perspective, what goes into identifying an effective and engaged teacher? Like, how do you measure that? How do you decide that? Because I know a lot of those folks, like what, how, yeah. what's the bar that you all set to, to define it? 
Well, we have a pretty robust application process. And over the last few years, we've had as many as 600 people apply for approximately 50 spots in the fellowship. And so, you know, we have an application that includes, I believe, four short answer questions. Um, we then do an initial screen of the applications. We then invite folks uh, to come back for a one-on-one -on -one phone interview and a group interview. And both of those are scored. The group dynamics are really, really important. And, and, and in that uh, group interview, we come up with a, a, a fake policy scenario. And um, here's the secret. We're really looking for more of how you interact with other educators than what the policy um, looks like. Um, but, you know, it is, it is, it's tough. That's one of the hardest parts of our job is to whittle down the, the amount of people who actually just want to spend time with us and do this difficult work. You know, Natalie talks about being in community, community with all these teachers. But Haley, that's Wednesday night after the teachers have worked all day long from 6.30 to 9.00. And Natalie, oftentimes we don't have enough time in that 6.30 to nine slot. I bet we could make it six and pro people probably would not complain. We stuff learning time in there. We stuff community time in there. We stuff a, an awesome um, guest speaker in that space. And then we give the teachers time to work on their, their, pro their policy project. And so it's, it's very difficult, uh, Haley, to, to choose um, teachers for our policy fellowship, but oftentimes I feel we can't go wrong. If somebody is signing up to do this work, now granted we do pay a small stipend, but it doesn't pay for the time that, uh, that the teachers put into this work. But if, you know, if folks are going to put time into filling out an application and saying, yes, I'll be available at, uh, for all those hours, then at least we know um, up front we've got folks that are willing to do the work. But then we do also make sure that they can prove to us that they are effective in the classroom. So we ask for evidence of that. And we ask questions about what does your practice look like? Can you really teach children? And that's important. I love that. That, that is such a, it sounds like a thorough process and really helps to identify folks that are completely engaged with this work. You know, Natalie, I'm curious, did you ever see yourself as doing work beyond the classroom in this connected way? I can't say that I saw that early in my career. Uh, when I first was introduced to Teach Plus, I want to say, okay, what year are we in? 22, right? 23, oh my God, 23. Um, almost 24, it's almost over, so get ready. <laughs> so yes, the mind of a teacher. Um, <laughs> what day is it? Back in 2021 is actually when I first learned of the Teach Plus opportunity. It was sort of an email blast that came through the district as this, hey, here's an opportunity for anybody that might be interested. And at that time, things were still uh, extremely, I hesitate to use the word volatile, though it might be appropriate, but surrounding, um, you know, equity in education. and. I was really compelled to do something about that. I had no real sense of what Teach Plus would entail. I just knew that it was it was an opportunity for me to explore. And I applied and uh, went through, you know, this vetting process that Kevin described all the way through the uh, Zoom interview, the small group sort of quick 
rapid fire simulation. And that first year I actually um, did not get selected. I think that was the year that you, you guys had like triple digit applicants because everybody was so energized around this work. And uh, at the time I was a little bit disappointed because I thought, oh man, that's, that seemed like a really cool opportunity. But I also had this sort of internal like knowing or trust that, okay, it's all right. It's just not the right time for me to do that work. It's not for me right now. Then fast forward a year and I was contacted by our um, policy program manager at the time and, and inviting me to interview again. And, uh, you know, I assumed that it was like, a, I, you know, it was like a mass email that they sent to anybody they had in their system. And I think I said that when I spoke to our policy program manager at the time, and he was like, uh, no, you were on a short list. Like we kept your name on a list. And, and, um, I was so moved that it came back around to me, like trusting that the timing wasn't right, but the work was. And so for it to come back to me in that way, it just, it felt right. And so um, I was so excited last year to join as a, a first year fellow and, um, you know, get my feet on the ground. And, and it takes a little bit of time initially to understand the full scope of what we're doing. Because again, I had this misperception that, you know, somebody else was doing the policy work. And, and as a fellow, I would be supporting that work either with research or whatever. And, you know, as soon as we got started, it was, it was very clear the messaging from Kevin and our policy program manager was, this is about you guys, you, we are going to uh, facilitate, you know, the opportunities for you, but this is your work. And, and the training that we receive on how to go about that work is, just bar none. I really, I, I can't speak highly enough about, about the framework that Teach Plus um, utilizes to build, to build and develop us into um, the policy advocates that we are at heart. But, you know, there's a skill about how you go about that. And um, that's really where, um, you know, I, again, I can't speak highly enough about what we're given. And, and one phrase that I will forever associate with Teach Plus. I hope to be involved with Teach Plus forever. But uh, one phrase that I will never forget, no matter what, and will always associate is opportunity begets opportunity. We hear that so frequently from day one. And it is, it's such a driving force for me ever since, because I uh, not only feel equipped to take the opportunities, but I also now have a totally different lens through which to look for those opportunities. I think, you know, every moment in every podcast I record, there's a moment where I'm like, oh, there's the title of the podcast. Opportunity begets opportunity. So perfectly describes this work that y'all are doing and really speaks to my heart. It, it Thank you for sharing your journey. I think that's so cool that you had the mindset like, oh, this isn't the right time, but the right time came to you. It speaks volumes about your character and your work ethic. I, I really, really appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. You know, you know Kevin and Natalie, I there are so many topics that I would want to advocate on or that I do advocate on, but there are so many. Personally, how do you narrow down your focus? Like I... Sometimes I feel like I, I'm too, you know, I, I always preach like inch wide, mile deep. That's what you got to do. But with this, there's so much I would want to talk about. How do you decide? 
I'd love to hear I'd love to hear Natalie's perspective on that uh, because it's a it's a dance for sure. It is. And and one of the things that I struggled with in the in the beginning was like narrowing my focus because, you know, and, and this is the funny thing. We laugh when we're in our our policy cohort meetings and, and in our smaller advocacy group meetings. Uh, we just kind of laugh about all of us coming in with all this energy and excitement around varying things. And we can just go on a diatribe about all of them. <laughs> but part of it is part of the process is narrowing down uh, the scope of our focus and what we what we can actually tangibly try to accomplish in the in the scope of this work. So um Teach Plus kind of guides us on some of the major sort of like categories, I would say, of, of policy issues surrounding education that really um, impact a lot of different aspects of what we're doing in our classrooms and how we're able to do it, um, you know, with the parameters of varying legislation that sort of, you know, dictates the parameters of that. So, um in that, we are given the opportunity to exercise some choice as fellows as to like what some of those key focus group areas are. Uh, mine happens to be for for the last two years has been uh, around teacher preparation and development. Um, but there's a number of things, and they all sort of overlap. So part of this dance that that Kevin is talking about is not just uh, focusing on our smaller advocacy group topics in the work that we do together, but also individually recognizing the overlap and taking the opportunities to extend that advocacy through, you know, writing op-eds, delivering testimony, varying opportunities where, um, you know, like I said, we have a seat at the table and we can actually um, lend our voices to the, the decision-making that's happening. Kevin, do you want to add on to that? I know you deferred to Natalie first, but she gave a great answer, but I still would love to hear your thoughts as well. Yeah, I mean, she she gave a fantastic answer. Um, I think what she's articulating also is a bit of my perspective on this work changing. When I started as the executive director, or actually when I started as a policy manager, I was much more concerned with us getting big policy and political wins. As time has gone on, I find that oftentimes we still have a lot of the same working groups and generally the same working groups get big wins because that's where the opportunities are in teacher prep and education finance. Um, but the thing that I focus on over the last couple of years and I, 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 I would be remiss if I didn't say I have a fantastic team that leads this work. I happen to be the executive director and I get to pick these folks and set the vision, but our policy managers, we've got uh, three of them on the team now. They are the folks that really put this vision um, into uh, into play. Um, but it's 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 working directly with those teachers, figuring out what they want to get involved in, and then giving them skills. Like the focus on developing the teachers over the last couple of years, for me, has paid bigger dividends than it did um, in the past. We're also able to find folks like Natalie figure out, hey, where do you want to grow? And like she said it, I didn't. She wants to stay around Teach Plus forever. Well, my job is to continue to find opportunities for her to do that. And it is if we focus on the teacher skill development, I think the policy work um, will come. And you know, the, the last thing I want to add is certainly in a place like Texas, 
Um, we really have to be ready when there's an opportunity for a big win. And so I've also prided myself at poising our teachers, uh, whether it's at the legislative level or at the regulatory level, or even at the nonprofit partner level, when folks are looking for solutions oriented teacher voice that can come with recommendations and is always prepared, they call Teach Plus. And then it, like Natalie says, she keeps coming. She does a great job. I'm going to call her again. So this this work is, as you can tell, I get jazzed up about it as I as I talk. Uh, but it's it's all about advancing these teachers and their voice, and and helping make sure that if they want to stay in the classroom or in the school in the school building, they can do that and still be a leader. Ooh, that last part. I like don't even have a reply yet because that last part's huge. You know, I know a bit about teacher vacancies. It's a topic I am familiar with in my day to day. It's something I talk about all the time on the podcast. And clarifying for the naysayers, there is a surplus of teachers, but there is not proper distribution of teachers across our country. So there is a shortage, but it's regionalized. So the notion that you want to support the teachers who want to stay in buildings is also really powerful. That's Absolutely. tough. That's so tough. It's hard to do both. Natalie, have you had trouble balancing the demands of being in a school building and and have your colleagues that you've you've been in your cohort with had trouble? And if so, how have they approached that? Or if not, how have they approached that? Have we had trouble balancing the work of of the policy work with our day to day? Yeah, because you want to we want to sustain it, right? Kevin, name that. If if they want to stay in school buildings, we want to support you to sustain that. Mm -hmm. I personally cannot say that I've struggled. I I think because I'm so passionate about it that this is like the the cherry on top for me. Um, there's also so much that is connected in the work. I think. With the experience of working through Teach Plus, I am taking those skills that Kevin's talking about, not just into, you know, a Senate hearing room to give testimony, but I'm also taking those skills into the classroom and onto my campus. And it's through this growth and understanding around educational policy that I am able to take that knowledge into this established you know, um, building institution, if you will, and attempt to make things better, even in just the way that we function day to day on my campus. Uh, fortunately, I have a really supportive administrative team on my campus and even supportive leadership in our district that are, I, I think at the end of the day, probably every public school wants teachers who are invested in in improving you know the environment and the the function of our our schools ultimately for student outcomes right like student achievement and so for me to have for me and other fellows to have this opportunity to to gain extra skills and knowledge and expertise and take that into our our campus environment it's almost the most direct way that we can affect change because like Kevin was saying you know there's this energy and excitement around the big policy wins that we can say we had a hand in. But sometimes I think uh, that as I continue to do this work, some of the greatest wins are 
like the less headline worthy things that are happening on our campuses with our students. And so for me, it has not been a struggle to balance because it's it's such important work that I'm passionate about. And I think almost all of our fellows would agree with that uh, statement. Um, and in terms of the the time commitment, it just it it doesn't really feel, you know, I, I always always told by my grandfather growing up, if you if you do work that you enjoy, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like labor. It's it's something that you're like pouring your heart into. And and that's so true. And I'm so glad to have found that in Teach Plus that that really is like the real life come to fruition lesson for me of what that looks like. Funny you gave that quote from your from your grandfather because when Kevin you were sharing about the work you do I got that energy from you I got that like I love this work I love what I get to do even when I first met you through the introduction of the esteemed Brett Brower I was I like totally transfixed by the passion and drive and commitment you have to I like how you said it putting teachers proximal to the policy that's really exciting. It's energizing. This, again, there's a whole notion this season on, on the Learning Can't Wait podcast that I've been circling around a lot, which is sustaining the work. Because regardless of how you're touching education, we have to sustain it. Uh, burnout is real. And this work is hard. And so having passion for the work, I think, helps with the folks that are able to sustain it. That passion is huge. And then also like a real recognition of where you fit in the system. Um, and, you know, not everybody to know, Natalie mentioned this about how there's this, this zeal and enthusiasm in the policy fellowship. Well, you know what, guess what? Out of 50 folks, we're going to have a few folks every year that this just isn't their thing. They don't think we're moving fast enough. They don't think it's radical enough. It's just doesn't, you know, it doesn't fill their cup the way that it does for Natalie and myself, but you know, for me, I always tell anybody who will listen, my career and specifically this work now, it's like, it's a, it's been a labor of love and it's been a selfish endeavor because it makes me feel good to be able to do the things that I can do both for our society and then specifically for the teachers in our policy fellowship. And so like that education, the superintendent in Dallas is one of my favorite people, Dr. Stephanie Elizalde. She always says education is the people business. And I believe that. And she also says teachers are the program. These are two things that I'll never forget that she tells me all the time. Education is the people business. So Kevin, make sure that you build the best authentic relationships with the, that you can with people and show them who you are and continue to do that. And then in the education space, when you realize that teachers are the program, certainly Kids are the beneficiary of what we're doing in schools from eight to five every single day. But if there is no teachers, there's no program. So like, I can't think of a higher calling for somebody who spent their life working in education than to be of service for these teachers working on behalf of their students. Um, you know, that's somebody come and pinch me and take this away. Um, I, I will have been a dream. It is definitely a pleasure to do this work. Um, and, and I think you've got to bring some of that. Um, you've got to bring some of that with you to be successful over the long run. Oh, there's so many other things I think we could touch on in this conversation. I, I have to tell you, you know, funny. I don't know that I mentioned this to you, Kevin, but probably six times since 
the middle of August, uh, people have sent me that What Barbie Teaches Us About School Leadership article written by Shayla Ewing, the assistant principal at, at Peking Community High School in Illinois, who's a Teach Plus senior writing fellow. And I know that, you know, you talked a little bit, Natalie, about the writing that that, that folks are doing, the blogging, but, you know, y'all are very much out there. And this work is, I, I've, before I even knew or put the pieces together about Teach Plus, I had read about Teach Plus in other places and spaces, that article being just one example, I think that really captured an important sentiment about equity in school teaching and leadership. Um, you know, I, I, I can talk about all this, but I do want to be respectful of the time that we have with each other today. And I, I think it's important, this question that I always ask folks at the very end of our conversation, I think is so critically important to you. And that question is, what advice would you give a teacher starting their career today? Who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll go first to give Natalie some time to think about it. Um, so I would I would venture to guess I was probably the worst teacher uh, out of the three of us in this room. Um, my teaching career was very short-lived, although I was in the classroom on 9-11, and that left a profound mark on me. And I think of those children, you know, um, to this day. Um, but for somebody that is coming in to be a teacher who expects to be a teacher for the, the lifetime, for their lifetime, I would say, This is definitely a marathon, not a sprint. It's going to be better tomorrow. Keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, and recognize what your why is. Super practical information. I mean, super practical advice uh, from the old guy in the room. No, that was wonderful advice. Um, I think I have two kind of two answers to your question, Haley. So forgive me for bending the rules there. But one, the first thing that came to mind is, is a statement that I heard a, a long-term teacher make at a professional development my first year in my current district. Um, I worked in the fine arts department and they do a thing every year at the beginning of the year where they bring all of us together from the whole district and they line everybody up and turn in from you know, the least experienced to the most experienced. And the person with the most experience, our fine arts director would say, what would your advice be to that very first year teacher down on the total opposite end of the line? And he said, don't take anything too serious and don't take anything too personal. And in the classroom, that was like a light bulb for me. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. Because when you kind of remove those things, you can really focus on on what you're trying to do and what what you know what's right in front of you instead of getting caught up in the things that you can't really control. Now that I have progressed and grown and developed in in my career, I think while that's solid advice, I also now in thinking about that think, wow, but it is personal in terms of the advocacy work that we do. So, I would struggle to give that advice in in the, my, you know, current context. I think my advice would be what is focus on what you can do well and what makes sense because one of the things that i've i've gleaned from my time in the fellowship is you know we can talk about and around all of the different things that we would like to see happen in education in educational policy in the classroom on our campuses 
Um, and a lot of times that conversation turns into sort of a gripe session, even, you know, at varying levels throughout education, I think, um, in the workroom, on campus, you know, amongst your teacher friends at happy hour, <laughs> even, uh, you know, even probably around the table at some of the, the higher up meetings, you know, there's a lot to be concerned about. But the solutions that we're after really come from this place where we're focused on what we can do, what we can do well, um, and what makes sense. And I think that's just really a good way to kind of ground ourselves in, in what we're doing, whether it's policy work or, you know, delivering a lesson to the 30 students that are in front of us. Woo! A word. I love that. Natalie and Kevin, you know... Sometimes I feel so selfish for hosting this podcast because I leave uplifted and inspired and driven after listening to brilliant folks like you who are doing the work, share about the work that you're doing. So thanks for letting me be a little selfish today because I'm definitely leaving here with goosebumps and excitement. I'm so grateful you both joined me on the podcast. Thank you so much for the invitation and for uh, having a, a voice in this conversation. It's been wonderful of course ditto ditto and thank you for being willing to let me bring a fantastic teacher along natalie is great and we've got tens of the teachers like her all over the state that are committed to their work committed to their students committed to advocacy and committed to just making texas education a better place and so um she is certainly a proxy for our policy fellowship cohort. Um, and they are all over doing great things. I appreciate that call out. And I'm so grateful to have both been introduced and met both of you. And again, thank you for coming on the Learning Can't Wait podcast and to everybody who joined us listening in today. Thanks, Haley. Thanks for listening to the Learning Can't Wait podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and share this episode. Be the first to know when we have a new episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have a suggestion for an episode, email us at podcast at fullmindlearning.com.